What does it mean to love? In his book, The Four Loves, the British thinker and well, English scholar, really, and writer, C.S. Lewis talks about the four ways in which the ancient Greeks thought of love. The first was storge, or kind of just general affection. Right? I would hope that we have a general affection for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus here. We don't necessarily know each other, but we have a general bond and a unity in a certain area. You may not necessarily understand that in a church sense, but think of it as if you're in a fraternity or sorority. You meet someone from your fraternity or sorority who didn't even go here. There's a, there's a bond. There's a connection. That's storge, just a general affection that unites us in one way or another. The next love that he talks about, C.S. Lewis, is philia, filial love. This is actually what we would say is friendship. This is a deeper bond than just general affection. This isn't a total commitment in in one way, in a singularity of, of love, like you would get in romantic love. But it is a commitment to the other person. And it's not just that we have things in common. We're pursuing common goals. We may not look at this relationship as being one about productivity, but it's about leading us to becoming better people. For the ancients in particular, friendship was one of, if not the most important things in society. And so often in our life, one of the things we struggle with is isolation and feeling alone. We need brothers and sisters. We need those people who truly love us, who we can share our hearts with. This filial love that we have for each other. The third love that he talks about is romantic love, eros, erotic love. Now we can think of this in one way as the romantic or sexual love of husband and wife, and that's its perfection. But in this way, this, uh, this eros love, it's not just about that. It's also about being deeply committed to another person in, a, in search of and real aim for a goal. It's a, it's a deepening, if you will, of friendship of pursuing something greater and something truly productive. This is the power and the beauty and the witness of marital love. That husband and wife hold nothing back, give themselves to each other completely, and what happens? It's productive, it's fruitful, it changes the world for the better. But the pinnacle of love for the ancients and for Christians is agape, or charitable, or unconditional love. This is the love that is willing to lay down its life for the sake of another. This is a love that is willing not only to sacrifice for another, but to challenge another, to pursue something even greater at a great cost. All of the loves, the first three loves, sorge, philia, and eros, are preparation for agape. It's the school that leads to the perfection of love. The love that Christ has for the church is the epitome of agape. Love poured out. Jesus says what in the Gospel of John? No greater love has this than to lay down your life for one's friends. That's agape love. So when we hear in the Gospel today, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself, the verb there is agape. This is the type of love that we are called to. And in Christ Jesus, love of God and love of neighbor are inextricably linked. We can't love God without loving our neighbor, and we can't love our neighbor without love of God. Jesus in his humanity and his divinity unite those things in his person. Oftentimes, though, we want to pick those things apart. 
We want to divide those things, right? Well, I'm a good person and I, and I go to Mass. Or we try to, we look at these things, I'm a good person because I do all of these things, but I don't have God in my life. Or I have God in my life, but I'm not following God's commands. And what Jesus is calling us to, the high perfection of love toward which we are all called, the, the end toward which we are all made, is that unitive love of loving God with all your heart, mind, your soul, and your neighbor as yourself. One of the great and my, one of my favorite quotes about what love is is from Dorothy Day, who says, "You only love God as much as the person you love the least." What a powerful reminder that is for us. That if we think we love God but we hate someone, we do not in fact love God. And if we think that we love God, or if we love our neighbor, but we don't in fact love God and follow His commands, we don't in fact love our neighbor. That's the challenge of it all. But even more so for us, I think what Dorothy Day's comment gets to is something that we all feel. Maybe I feel it more than others at times, but I I often find in my own life, the person I love the least is myself. The person I love the least oftentimes, the person with which I am harshest, the person with which I am least merciful, is oftentimes myself. And did you hear that in the gospel? Oftentimes we don't think of it. We hear, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your mind and your soul, and love your neighbor. But love your neighbor how? As you love yourself. If you don't love yourself, if you aren't striving to love everything about who you are, you are running from the truth. You are running from true love. And how often, I mean, this is just my experience, in the confessional, I love the confessional. I want to encourage people, and I'm rooting for you in the confessional. But when I go to confession, I'm the worst person since like Adolf Hitler in my own brain. But how easy is it, is it for us to fall into that in this world of constant comparisons? In this world where we are constantly seeing the good of others and comparing that against the worst of ourselves? And what happens when we don't? love ourselves is that we take it out in hatred on our neighbors. In the book of Exodus, we hear today, treat aliens, treat foreigners with generosity. Why is this being told to the people? Because they're not. If we don't love our own self, we're going to take it out on the people who are most like us. Or we're going to take it out on the people who are poor. We're going to take it out on the people who are vulnerable. We're going to use our strength as a weapon against other people when we don't have that integrity of heart, mind, and life. This is sin in general, but in a particular way to other people. If we don't have integrity, if we can't love ourselves, we're going to hate and hurt other people. And we usually hate and hurt those people who are like us in the way that we love our, or the way in which we hate ourselves the most. How easy is it for us to look at my own brokenness to look at my own sinfulness and then to project that out in hating or hurting someone else who is just like me, of being impatient with the person who sins in the same way I do. I would beg for mercy. I would beg for patience, but I would be the last to give it. This is the division that happens in our life when we don't know love, when we don't love ourselves and love everything about us. This is the beauty of the Christian life. The integrity toward which Jesus is calling us is the greatest and worst parts of your life are equally loved. You're a great student. I love you for that. You're a fornicator. I love you for that too. I don't love that sin, 
but I love you. And I love your brokenness. And I want you to be whole. Do I have that same feeling of love for myself? This is what we are called to today. This is the challenge. When we get this right, though, as we heard in the second reading from St. Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, it changes the world. It changes the world when we get this right. The Thessalonians had to convert at a cost. It hurt them. They had to make a sacrifice. But what is St. Paul saying to you? From you, the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and in Achaia, but in every place. Your faith in God has gone forth so that we have no need to say anything. When you come to a greater love of God, neighbor and self, it changes the world for the better. And this is why we must take our religious experience and our devotion to the Lord so seriously. Because what is this place if not a school of love? We exist for love, for you to know love, for you to receive love, but also for you to learn how to give love. This place exists so that this can be a beacon of love for the world. In the early church, the Christians were, remark- or re- were renowned because they all thought, the, the, uh, the Romans in particular, thought the Christians were all a bunch of drunks. Why? Because they were so joyful. Because they loved the poor. Because they went out of their way for each other. They couldn't understand this, and so they thought they must be on some sort of drug in order to do this. But there was no drug. It was the love of God in their hearts. The love that they had for each other and the love that they knew from God and from each other. And that witness shone forth and changed the world. And if there's something this world needs more than now than ever, it's our witness of love for each other. And this is why this week I want to encourage each and every one of us to take that step in loving. I say this at pretty much every wedding I do. Love is not an emotion. It's what you do. When we stop at the feeling, we actually don't in fact love. But when we act, when we do that good thing for another when we strive to challenge that person to grow in virtue and holiness, we are in fact loving more. And so this week we are each being called to ask myself, what's one thing I can do? Concrete, measurable, actionable, where when I come to Mass next Sunday, next Sunday, I know that I've either done it or not done it. What's one thing I can strive to do this week to love? Maybe you do have integrity of life. Maybe you, you do know you love yourself and you know God's love in your heart. And that's great. Praise God for that. How can you love the poor? How can you love those who are in need this week in a more manifest and concrete way? Maybe you don't know the love of God in your heart. How can you invite that in there? Come and receive God's mercy in the sacrament of confession. Maybe you're searching for love in your life. Come and receive Jesus in the Eucharist one day this week. Pray one day this week. During the month of October, it's still October, so I've got a couple more days. Pray the rosary. Let the love of God, let the love of neighbor, and let the love of yourself, not a prideful love, not a vain love, but a real love, shine forth. Because this witness will change the person sitting next to you. Will change the person you meet on campus. Will change this community. Will change the church will change the world. 
We are made for love, to receive it and to give it. All of the law, all of the prophets are summed up in this. What will your response be today to love, with love, and for love?